Welcome to Any Way You Want It. I'm your host, Kaylin McDuff. I'm an LA-based coach for women who want to create lives based on desire. Here on the show, we like to have real conversations about sex, relationships, and life through talks with everyday people, experts, friends, and everything in between, I give you a plethora of options, different relationship models, new mindsets, perspectives, and paradigms. Listen for what sounds interesting to you and follow that. This is just the beginning of you having a life designed entirely from the specificity of your desire. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Any Way You Want It. I am joined by the gorgeous, lovely, completely radiant um, Jess Hughes today. Um, I'll tell you more about her in a moment, but first, I just want to welcome you. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited about this conversation. I just love your energy and I'm really excited to talk to you and talk to your audience. Oh my gosh. Amazing. And, you know, for the, uh, for those of you listening, I know you're just listening, so you don't get the full visual of what's happening on our zoom call right now, but, um, I'll tell you more in a minute, but Jess is an artist. And so she's sitting in her studio and it's just, I, I love being on zoom calls with Jess because every single time I'm like, Oh, that's what she's creating in her business. Like all of the art is just surrounding you. It's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. It's high vibe. It's really high vibe art these days. It's very high vibe. Um, I can feel it. Like I can literally feel it through the, through the screen. And, you know, as, as you, my listeners know, I'm just so committed to talking to women who are turned on in their lives. And so that's just, that's why I wanted to bring Jess onto the show today. Um, so she is the founder and CEO of her fourth company, not her first, her fourth people, um, Jessica Hughes, fine art. Um, she is an abstract artist. So she creates, as she said, these high vibe paintings to re-energize homes and spark joy. And I'm telling you, like, go look at her stuff. We're going to put, a, we'll put a link in the show notes, but it is, it literally sparks joy. <laughs> I'm getting joyful just seeing her work. Um, and then she is an international best-selling author of the book. She did it. And so can you, um, she's a creativity expert. So she works with women to unlock their creativity, which to me, creativity is the ultimate expression of the feminine. Um, okay. And then get ready for this. She is a single mother of seven, seven children. Yes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> um, and she has been featured, or she's going to be featured in Forbes this spring. Um, she has uh, a segment coming out on the list to 45 million people uh, very soon. Oh, wait, or did it already come out? No, it airs March 12th. Oh my gosh. Okay. So it'll actually have come out by the time we put this out. Um, and yeah, just 
high level, like high vibe woman who's in her total creativity zone of genius. Um, I met Jess through a, a media accelerator program that we've both been a part of. And every single time I see her, I can just feel her spirit and her soul vibrating. And that completely magnetizes me. <laughs> and so this is, we've been kind of texting back and forth. And I was like, do you want to be on the show? And so um, this is our first conversation. And I think it's genius um, because I, I wanted to, you know, like I said, I wanted to connect with you anyways. And now I'm like, oh, we just get to have a conversation we would probably have anyways, but now everybody else gets to get the gold. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Because I was authentic me and uh, I'm glad that'll come through. Yeah, so good. Okay, so... Um, I know you have been through some darkness and I am particularly interested in this because that's where I, I really believe like that's where the feminine lives in our darkness. Um, so take us back to, um, to just one of the darkest times in your life kind of that, you know, kind of set the stage for the rest of your life and for this conversation. Absolutely. Um, Cause I do, I think, uh, it would be easy to look at me now and say, wow, she's so joyful. And, and it's true. It's absolutely yeah. true, but it took a journey of incredible pain to reach the point, um, at my rock bottom where it was either live or die, you know, chase my dreams and go after my authentic self or, or not. And unfortunately it, it really ended up there. And that was my darkest moment. But before that, um, I was a whimsical child and, and I was a late bloomer, very shy as a teenager, was not sexually um, experienced whatsoever. And the first trauma that happened to me that laid the groundwork for my own um, self-destructive behavior, I, I went through a rape experience uh, mm -hmm. when I was 18 years old. And because it is so common, I um, blew it off, even though that was my first experience. And I've always been a hugely sensitive, empathic, yeah. intuitive person. And I, 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 I dreamt in fairy tale land and believed that like that was the pinnacle of true love. Mm. And it was such a betrayal to my dream. Mm. Um, and that's where, in hindsight, I look back at how I repressed that whole event, <clears throat> that whole dark night. And it was, you know, a combination of the physical abuse and the verbal abuse that took place that night that really took decades to get over. Um, and, it, and it really planted the seeds for the substance abuse addiction and the eating disorder, like in that moment. Um, mm. So that happened two weeks before I went away to college and I was, I was going into college as a double um, fine art major and music major. And I'd never really been like, I'd had great potential as an athlete, but um, I was, I was just, like I said, a late bloomer, but um, mm. there was something about that night where I was so physically weak um, that, you know, on the first day of college, there were all these sports and all these things. And I found rowing and I had never known what that was. And I thought, Oh, I love the water. I'll give that a go. So I got heavy duty into that sport. And it's only in hindsight that it's 2020, right? 
Right. Um, you know, I just stuffed down that night. I poured everything I could into the sport that I was kind of magically built for. I'm tall. I'm five foot ten, <laughs> and not realizing it, um, I was on a mission to become as physically powerful as I possibly could. And like the ego trip of mm. you know, being really good at something brand new, walking on as a freshman and, you know, having these time tests and I would beat all the women on the team and then half the men, um, you know, realizing I've got really got something, you know, it gave me this false sense of power that I rode um, for the next few years. And I ended up transferring to a division one school I had Olympic dreams for the sport um, and it all came crashing down um, my, my junior year when I was set to win a race in the Midwest and I came in second place. And to me, that was failure. Um, mm. I, everyone viewed me as the superstar and I viewed myself as the superstar, you know, this false ego to protect this very broken wound inside. And I ended up um, that's when the flashbacks from that night came flying back. And it wasn't like I came in second place. It was like, I went back to that, um, that rape that had happened, wow. that incredible stripping away of something pure inside me. And I ended up dropping out of college and reassessing everything. And, um, you know, that was really the, the pinnacle moment for me, um, that one trauma and what happened to me, you know, later in life when I did get married and I had all these children um, and I wasn't supported or seen, you know, I, I entered this marriage broken um, and my substance abuse addiction and eating disorder, you know, some people flame out really quickly. Um, but I was this behind closed doors, uh, high achiever, you know, I still pulled off these different companies you know, they were both super successful, the ones I did during the marriage. Um, but behind closed doors, I was in agony. Um, and I think I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But. Um, yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I just really felt you through that. And the, the thing I'm really present to is the, um, the pain. Yeah. Um, I, it was, you know, it was sneaky. I, I had a really, um, thick wall of denial going on for the next two decades. Um, and it was busy having seven kids within 10 years can keep you hopping. And, um, <laughs> you know, it was just baby, new house, we moved, baby, new house, like all of this crazy. And I'm trying to be this entrepreneur in the middle of it. And really, I was married to someone who really just wanted a very quiet, stay at home mom who was going to take care of the family. And I remember I was talking to someone today about this, you know, being 22 years old. This was before I had kids before I was married after I dropped out of college and I'd started an art school and it was super successful teaching these kids and their parents and everyone. I was like this Pied Piper of creativity. <laughs> um, and I, it's, that's when I was showing artwork and producing incredible content at a really young age. And I recognized in myself, you know, that's when I said to myself, I don't ever want to get married. I don't ever want to have children because I go so deep into that zone of creativity, of flow. And it's, 
it's so deep for me um, that it would never be fair to a spouse or children um, to have a mother like this. And I really thought that was going to be the course of my life was that I would be able to have these 36 hour stints of high focus, high, you know, in touch with the artist spirit. Um, and that just was not what, what happened at all. And um, I became, I, I, got, I was parting hard on the flip side of that. And um, I ended up getting pregnant with twins and moving back home with my parents. And I had them when I was 23. Um, and that was the shock of my life. You know, I, I didn't know what I would do until I was pregnant myself. And I realized like, I need to, I need to do this. And it, when they put a baby boy and a baby girl in my arms, like I fell in complete love with these children and they mm. my life. And those first two years of their lives just are some of the most beautiful times and memories I have with my mom and dad and sister and these two incredible babies. And, um, you know, it was freedom during that time. It was safety. It was, um, I felt like internally I was getting better, you know, that maybe all the wounds of my past were, were healed finally. Um, and then I met my husband through rowing and, um, we based kind of a whole marriage on a love of the sport, a love of the twins and a love of wine. And, um, <laughs> we didn't know each other well. And, you know, I'm careful not to blame him in my own story because I came into that marriage with pieces of me still very broken. Um, and I didn't take the time to get to know him and understand him. Um, and I take a lot of accountability for the marriage breaking, um, mm. because part of this for me is to never live this current life, blaming others or holding on to resentments or bitterness or attachments, because I had a choice all along in my own experience. And I just didn't have the skill set yet, the, the tools to, um, function with this background trauma you know, this belief, this seeing me in the mirror as this overweight, um, horribly ugly, hideous thing that looked back at me. I couldn't see beyond that. And, and then, you know, we had all the next five children so close together and like that ripping a part of the inside, you know, knowing what I knew when I was 22, that I'm this all in creative kind of idea, vi visionary um, high energy person that, that had to go so deep into my genius zone to produce what I could produce, what I was meant to produce. You know, my gift to the world is through my art and my creativity and lighting people up. Yeah. And, you know, I, the high vibration, you know, bringing that to other people to give them hope. Like I had that when I was 22 and so, you know, the conflict, the inner conflict of not being true to myself inside and the exhaustion of raising everybody, popping out baby after baby, um, loving them so much, wanting to be the very best I could possibly be for them. And then not being supported by someone who just couldn't understand who I was, couldn't see right. me, couldn't, couldn't hear me. Um, and, and the ultimate people pleasing that I went through, you know, I call myself a recovering people pleaser now a recovering perfectionist or recovering addict, or recovering all of these things, because it was the people pleasing and the compromising of myself for all those years that 
that fed, that fueled yeah, the disorder. You know, the way we as women, when we're not strong, we're not believing in, in our foundation and our gifts, the way we twist and contort. For me, I twisted and contorted to make everybody else around me comfortable. Um, mm. I was talking about... And what was that. the... What do you think... Um, was the the thing like what was the straw that broke the camel's back <laughs> that had you say like wow i want to take responsibility and i want to like be able to like feel my right. feel myself and feel what i care about yeah i'm a strong-willed stubborn person trapped by and i was really trapped by ego and what people thought and right you know, we're a fairly wealthy suburban family and all of these beautiful children dressed a certain way and like the pressure of living this dual life that we had to look perfect i had to be this high achieving perfect everything and so much of it was self imposed because i didn't believe in myself at all um, but my dad ended up getting cancer in 2013. My oldest son developed major lung issues and was diagnosed with major um, pulmonary function issues. We had all these medical things that happened. And I had just, you know, really ramped up this second company, Kids Art to Canvas, that was all about celebrating kids art. And I developed this art program and took it into Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh and worked with the kids that were battling cancer. And it was this incredible gift that I was giving. And I have this, you know, person, my dad's dying, my son is sick, you know, this other dual life again. And I started coping so destructively. And um, when I lost my dad in 2015, the grief of, he was the only safe man I'd ever known that um, just loved me for me and was safe. And it was that that really triggered, you know, me going into rapid abuse of um, all the pills that I could get my hands on, you know, the whole range of pharmaceuticals, you know, ending, I don't need to go into voice or any of that, but like I numbed out um, with everything I could for those last two years. And I was super, super sick, like the pain of my own craziness. Um, I was in bed or I was numbed out and I, I don't really remember much of 2015 to 2017. I couldn't mm. cope with grief. I couldn't cope with like, yeah, breaking my own heart, you know, and having my heart broken. And, um, wow. So 2017 was when I, I'd had a surgery and I was just back in the swing of the house and, um, surrounded with bottles of pills. And I tried to overdose on December 5th of 2017. And that was definitely my darkest day. Um, Mm. and when I woke up, thank God I woke up, you know, it was the realization, oh my God, what have I done? I must have a problem, you know, because before that I didn't have a problem. Um, I clung to those pills because I felt like I needed them to survive. And I did in a way. So I tried to get off them for the next six weeks and I couldn't. And I I broke on January 30th. I finally called a couple of rehabs and checked myself in, you know, disappeared kind of in the middle of the night and left my entire family um, for those 30 days. And uh, that rocked my world. You know, the lies I was telling myself as I was leaving is that, oh, therapy, you know, I'm 
articulate. I can do therapy. Like I've been through it. I've healed the wounds. I'm going to go and do all that. And, um, I won't make any friends or any of it. Just go get it done, get Mm -hmm. detoxed and go back and everything will be great. And, um, the third day in, I started hearing this woman like pouring out all of this stuff. And I realized it was me and like the dam had broken and all my secrets, all the shame, all the guilt, all of it came pouring out. And the realization that like, I had to change everything in my life if I was going to have a chance of staying clean and sober. And that meant, um, getting up the courage to leave my husband because it just, it was Mm -hmm. not good for me or for my kids to live in an environment that just was so, uh, it just wasn't working. So, so yeah. And then a year, year into being clean and sober after having left him and moving out and, you know, the food issues, I would call them my food issues. You take the drugs and the alcohol away and, and food can be just as much a mind altering, mood altering drug. And, um, Mm my life felt so out of control still that first year because I'm all of a sudden on my own after 17 years of marriage. And, um, it just was something I had to do, but it was also terrifying and tumultuous and chaotic. And the only sense of control I had, I think was over, um, losing control, binging, purging, and then restricting, like getting the control back and going days and days without food until my head was spinning again. And, um, it's like, I reached that end point pretty quickly and checked myself into, um, inpatient treatment that summer, uh, eating disorder, because I really, really had those tastes of what life could be like that first year, just little glimmers of magic, little glimmers of like the old, old me, the, the sense of freedom and vibrancy that, that I felt like I had a solid foundation of as a teenager. Um, and I wanted that, I wanted that so badly. And so I I really did whatever it took to deal with the darkness head on, you know, and take accountability for my actions, my role in all of it. And to really do that hard work of facing the trauma, doing the trauma work, um, and just kind of facing into the storm over and over and over again to you know, the only way through the darkness, I mean, it's the other side of darkness is to go through it. Like can't go around <laughs> it, can't go over it, can't go under it. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was um, listening to, um, to someone today talking about this and um, he's, he was saying like light work is, you know, kind of get, seeing a wound and then pouring a lot of resources there to like support that. And then shadow work is like, let's go all the way into this thing so that we can get to the other side. And so I just love, I love this share that like I, what I really hear is that you just said, okay, we're going all the way into this. And like that gave you access to work with it and, and start to heal this thing, which, you know, was what, 20 years old at this point, probably. Right. Right. And the recognition, you know, sensitivity is so often viewed viewed as a weakness. You know, we got to toughen up. We got to buckle up and like be a strong woman. And I realized that I can be an empowered, courageous, strong woman and be incredibly sensitive and that that's my superpower. 
And I think part of the driver for me to get better was that I finally realized it's okay to be sensitive. And I'm really like the princess in the pea. If there is that little pea, you know, all the way down under the blankets, that little ear. Yeah. I just, I get physically sick or I self-destruct and I don't want to do this anymore. You know, part of compulsive behavior like addiction is doing something that you no longer want to do that you know is destructive and not being able to stop. Yeah. Once I learned to stop a few things um, and finding that the healing way for me was connecting to other people. You know, the magic happens when you allow people to help you. You know, I've been isolated and a powerhouse and stuck to that ego that I could do it alone. Right. Um, You know, humility and realize that asking for help is absolutely the stronger thing to do. Allow people in, you know, and not have to walk that dark road by myself. Oh, I love that. Yeah. (laughs) It's... And the sensitivity as a superpower, (laughs) I, um, that, oh my gosh, that just lands so deeply in my soul. You know, I remember I'm, I'm the same way, you know, I'm so sensitive, which is why I'm a great coach and I can hold people in a space. But when I first became a coach, I remember thinking like, wow, if I could, maybe if I became a coach, I could just learn to like, stop crying so much. And then I realized I'm like, oh my gosh, no, I actually need to let all of that come out. But, you know, I was in corporate America making myself wrong for, you know, any time, like one of my wounds got hit and I wanted to cry. Right. I made myself wrong for that. Right. I had no idea. So I, I did not sign up for this path right. to uh, become even better at crying. Yeah, that's, that's what it takes. And that's what I've learned that I have to do something uncomfortable every single day. Like I need to lean into the discomfort because that's where my growth is. And that, you know, the price tag for me, repressing trauma, repressing my emotions, stuffing the tears down, not wanting to appear emotional or sensitive or God forbid, crazy. Yeah, you know, the price tag's too big these days. I don't want to be sick anymore. I don't want to. So I cry when I cry. It's still hard, but, um, but you allow it, allow it to flow. And I, you know, it's also the language we use. I, I would never allow myself to say words like exquisite and, (laughs) and all of it, because I felt like I had to put this extra tough persona on of, you know, Mm someone who was strong. And, you know, now it's about embracing my femininity and like embracing the authenticity and living out of the box with no, you know, realizing I don't have to care what anybody thinks of me anymore. And that's given such incredible freedom to me to just be authentic. You know, I joke about these overalls all the time, but you know, people made fun of me for wearing overalls way back when. And so what did I do? I dressed the way other people told me I had to dress to fit in. And now I'm like, fuck that, you know, like that your overalls, this is your brand. Oh my gosh. And I've added the sparkly necklace. I put this on the other day and I'm like, I sparkle. I love sparkles. Like this is, why wouldn't you pair like a fancy necklace and overalls? Because that's who I am right now. And, um, 
And that's what's carried over into my artwork and really every facet of what I do and write and speak and live is this person in, in the present moment, fully in the present moment. And that the magic for me is in uplifting others, in serving others through my gifts. You know, that I realize it used to be that I used to think that I have to make pretty paintings to sell, or I have to do it the way, you know, all this marketing and business and entrepreneurial stuff, you do it this way, this way, this way, and you'll get magic. And for me, it's about knowing the structure so I can break the, break the rule. Oh my gosh. I love that. What would you, um, what advice would you give to women who feel um, trapped, you know, maybe they're married, maybe they've had a few kids and they're like, I don't know, I'm in this marriage, that sort of feeling stale. And like their lights are dim. It's yeah. like these, you know, I, I have my take on this, but just as an artist and a woman who has been in the trenches, yeah. what would you say, you know, to a woman like that? Yeah. But there were two books I read. Um, when I was in those dark days, you know, before Brene Brown got really big, but Daring Greatly, you know, that was kind of my thought. Um, Glennon Doyle, her first books were my hope shot. You know, anything that allowed me to think about what Daring Greatly meant that had me look at vulnerability and shame and guilt differently and go, oh my God, like vulnerability is a superpower. That's the connection point. That's where we connect. And then can lift each other up. You know, I want to be with women who lift each other up and who, you know, a lot of it has been embracing my imperfections and knowing that that's my superpower too. Um, Because none of us are perfect. And, and like, it's a house of cards if we keep trying and earning and racing and hustling and trying to get these pats on the back when, you know, it's, it's in the raw it's in the sensitive, it's in the authentic moments, you know, the brutal honesty of who we are. And so I have done a lot of soul searching recently because I am having tremendously rapid growth as a business um, and a rapid like evolution of what my business is all about. It's not just selling paintings anymore. It's about um, empowerment. It's about lighting the world up, you know, mm. <laughs> with light. and you know, the the realization that we have a choice to own our truth and step into the light of who we're meant to be, you know, whatever out of the box gifts those may be, you know, to do whatever it takes to lean into discovering what that passion is, anything that, that, that brings your energy level up. And for me, that's where I talk about creativity. You know, we live in a very left brain culture deadlines and numbers and sequences and calendars and structures and words and words and words. And it never is quiet ever, ever. Yeah. You know, as an athlete, as a musician, as an artist, I feel like I was given like access to this flow state where I can go super deep. And, you know, there is science that any creative act, any right-brained action is actually, um, it doesn't matter if you're an experienced artist or all these labels that we put on ourselves. It's just that the practice of engaging in a right-brained activity gives mm-hmm. this relief to the left brain world that never stops talking and going and hustling. 
and that creativity and engaging in visual art, especially anything that lights up that sense of play, that ignites curiosity, that reignites like experimentation and mm. talk, encourages divergent thinking. Like kindergartners are incredible. You give them a paper clip and ask them how many things they can make out of it and they'll come up with a, a million. <laughs> yeah. Stuck, dark um, person, an adult, like make something out of this. And they're like, it's a paper clip. <laughs> paper clip, you know, and totally we need both sides of our brains, the right and, and the left, the feminine and the mask, you know, like all of this is just more powerful as a whole. Yeah. And that's why, you know, part of what I do is talking about visual art and ways to engage in it where we create a judgment-free zone with turning off that inner critic because just the act of finger painting, finger painting as an adult. Um, oh my gosh. You want to get out of yourself, get out of your head, get out of the, all of it. Finger paint. And you are, you're so, you're really inspiring me here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my mind is, my mind is going. Cause I've, I've been, um, yeah. Bringing out just like my little girl recently, you know, yeah. and it's like, she just wants to play dress up and paint and like eat macaroni and cheese and you know, right. whatever. Right. Um, and oh my gosh, I love this so much. What would stronger women yeah, give ourselves access as a self-care thing to play, to giggle, mm-hmm. to be silly, you know, to, to, you know, makeup is an art. Fashion is an art. And yeah. it doesn't have to be in this box. Like it just, it's like we get to return to life, real life in the real world. Oh. These whole people instead of feeling trapped and exhausted and run down and um, because it's the yeah. energy. Totally. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. So what would you, um, like if I'm just imagining, you know, if there's a woman out there that's listening to this, that's like, okay, I am not bringing my creativity in. I don't feel playful. Like how do I bring this life force? What would you, um, like just have, have women or anyone really just practice to start bringing in their creative life force. You know, if they're like, I don't know, I work at an accounting firm. I feel kind of dead. Right. One of, <laughs> one of the most inspirational books I read 25 years ago was the artist way by Julia. Oh, yes. Yeah. And that's like a great um, starting point because I think it's really important so many things can go wrong. I think if someone just blindly says, I'm going to be creative, they pull out paints and there's no mentor or coach or like guide to set the safety and the parameters for mm-hmm. that experience. And I love, I just love how Julia Cameron speaks about creativity and kind of entices people who wouldn't really ever engage in anything to start tiptoeing into that journey. Um, And then part of what I'm developing that's still very much in development mode is I've realized the importance of a role of of someone to guide and mentor these experiences for people who are so stuck and trapped, stressed out, you know, balancing being an entrepreneur and being a mom or being in the workforce and being a mom or just being, you know, and it's not just like I look at stay at home moms with so much um, admiration because I did it so I couldn't 
you know, I am an entrepreneur through and through, um, but we all need this play. And how can I facilitate a great experience for someone to just get, get in that? And that's where like, I was um, inspired by someone to, to start using meditation as a way to ground myself. And I kind of wish they could see the video. Um, yeah. It <laughs> talks about stream of consciousness of morning pages, just sharing yeah. the journaling as like a dumping ground for um, all the darkness that we may have. And I found that painting over the words, you know, creates the safety around being able to fully express our, our words on paper um, and then covering it in paint, like seals it in. Okay. Whoa. Let's slow this down. Okay. So for my listeners who, okay, first of all, get a copy of, um, the artist's way. It's amazing. Um, the practice that, that Jess is talking about is morning pages, which is literally like three, what is it? It's like three pages of just like stream of consciousness writing first thing in the morning, just to like, let yourself get all of it out. And then for me, at least I find that it like creates a clean slate. Cause, yeah, and then exactly. my creativity just comes from there. Cause I'm like, Oh, I got all the stuff out. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying do that and then paint over it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's how all of these paintings behind me came to be they're written like the writing in the canvas so i have my serious Mm -hmm. all of of those paintings are morning pages underneath and then paint on top yeah or or it it all gets interwoven um kind of as the paint here's one close up where just this is written in with a toothpick and it's just I did a layer of wet paint and I felt the urge to these words need to come out. And, um, and that's where like intuitive painting with, and that's where these paintings are so important. Like, I don't care if they don't sell these, this is my healing. This is my journey. This is my soul on fire. And it's a gift to give the world because it's accessible to everybody, art, painting, dance, music, like when we take that inner critic out of the picture and use it as a tool, incredible things happen. And for me, um, I, I was a naturally gifted artist, but I was crippled and blocked over and over and over again. And now all of these paintings came from the starting practice of, of the morning pages and um, painting on top. And there are a lot of artists that do this. This is not my idea. I learned it from someone named Jody King, who's an incredible mentor. Um, but it's so powerful and it really enabled me to like, I didn't really read any of my words, but the painting to go from the left brain language and then shift right into the right brain and that nuance of emotion, that leftover, uh, after I've been journaling, had a place to go and, you know, allowing myself to finger paint and smush things around or carve back in and scribble in with, with toothpicks or skewers or, um, anything layering in tissue paper and mixed media and allowing some of the words to peek through, but knowing that everything was safe from prying eyes, it creates this incredibly deep healing. And I'm like, I got to take this to canvas. And now I want to go bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's why I call myself an intuitive painter now, because in this process, um, these last six months, especially engaging with like the authenticity, the gut feeling, trusting the intuition, trusting the feminine, 
femininity of who I am. Um, painting with pink because I love pink and I don't care about what the gallery. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just living out of the box in every facet of my life. And these things were this reflection back of this energy, this vibrancy, this healing. And, and it brings that into people's spaces. Like my collectors are, are so fanatical about them. It's really, really cool because it really (laughs) transforms the energy of, of a space. Wow. This is just hearing your creative process. You can tell I'm just so delighted by this, you know, and um, I think, you know, even for me, I, I never related to myself as a creative being until I started to get in touch with my feminine side. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I just, it was just a total blind spot for me. I thought I'm just an organized Sally over here. I make good PowerPoints and great spreadsheets, but there's no way I'm creative. But it was like, I wasn't, the real thing is like, I wasn't willing to like, just allow myself any space, like for, to just like, for it to look weird or ugly or whatever, you know? And so I find that the more I get in touch with my, my feminine nature and with my pussy, like the more I'm just like, Oh my gosh, even this podcast is such an expression of my creativity. Absolutely. You know, but I never, I never like let myself have it, you know, Mm -hmm. in the way that I am now. And just through talking with you, I'm just so seeing how I'm like, oh my gosh, there's even more layers of my creativity that could come out. Absolutely. And I'm looking back at your books over there and they're all um, by color, group by color. <laughs> like this creativity is inherent in everybody and it's especially strong in women. And I, you know, what I would talk to with those kids that, that were, had terminal illness in the hospital way back, because so many of them wouldn't call themselves artists or creative. And the whole yeah. therapeutic art thing that I brought into them was about creating and drawing together and doing mm. this collaborative effort. But I would say, I would always preface kind of my coaching part of it beforehand was that you know, we're, it's like, imagine this wrapped up beautiful present, you know, with a bow and sparkly wrapping paper and it's sitting inside you and some children like open it up right away. And they're the artists of the kindergarten class and the ones engaged with it right away. But a lot of us walk around and we don't open up that gift until we're nine or 10 or 17, Mm. 18 or 45 or 57, you know, but it's in there. And it's just waiting. It's waiting for us to kind of engage. Um, mm. And it, it enriches when you take away the judgment, when you engage in the freedom of it, the freedom of expression, turn off that inner critic, what it does to us as a whole feminine human being is where the power is. You know, that's where the, um, the healing is. Uh, it, it has a way of reaching into the soul and touching points within us that I don't think we even recognize as hurting. Um, mm. And so, you know, a lot of my, what I'm looking at in the future months is how do I guide and facilitate people in a way um, that will impact so many and in a really incredible way um, as another tool for them. Mm. So, so yeah, wow. it's a lot of all these ideas that course through all of me now um, because I'm oh living my. large. 
you are living large. Okay. Um, so, you know, as we start to, um, get towards the end here, I would love to hear, um, about a desire that you have. (laughs) My desire, I think my greatest desire is to live a life that is so aligned with my soul. You know, that I'm so completely in tune with my soul life that I allow myself to go deep into my process and preserve the creativity and use that as my anchor so that when I come out of it, I am fully present with the people, uh, my children, my family, um, the relationships I hold near and dear so that I can come to those places fully present with my very best energy, you know, that, that I can light people up, um, uplift people, uplift the world. Uh, and that's really beyond money, fame, fortune. You know, yes, all these exciting things are happening. I'm going to be in Forbes. I'm going to be on national TV. Those are, those are phenomenal because I think it'll help get my message through. And I'm hoping it will impact a lot of people. But my greatest desire is to just live in that grounded, anchored, knowing that when I die, you know, my soul will have been fulfilled with you know, taking it to the limit of everything I'm capable of doing and being fully present um, to light, light up the relationships and be with the people and have that exchange of energy as freely and honestly as possible. So that's, that's my greatest desire. And I love the question because I really have never thought about it that way. (laughs) <laughs> you are, I, I, I love this because you're, you're living such a desire-based life, right? Yeah. Although maybe like that particular language isn't, um, you know, not your everyday language. You are yeah. just such a gorgeous example of a desire led life, which is why I just had to have you on the show. <laughs> so much fun. So much fun. Um, okay. A couple more questions. Sure. This one just popped into my head. Um, you know, maybe I'm asking for a friend, uh, if people want to start finger painting, like what supplies, like what, what supplies do you recommend? Well, awesome. So this is actually what's going to be on the list next week. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. So I'm demonstrating and talking about finger painting, um, the, uh, journaling and painting on top. And then bilateral doodling, where you're using your right and left hand at the same time, drawing identical um, mirror images. So I'm talking about that, demonstrating that, um, doing all of that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Also go watch that clip. Yeah. You know what we'll do? Yeah. I'm going to have a whole lot more information on my, my website. I'm rapidly trying to build that piece out because that's what I want to give people. You know, these are the paints you can get. Oh, and yeah. really for right now, people could go out and get kids finger paint and, you know, just make sure the environment is a place where you're not going to freak out if paint gets somewhere. Yeah. Um, cover everything with newspaper or butcher paper. Yeah. Uh, allow for a quiet environment where you're not going to be disturbed. And if you need gloves, you know, use surgical gloves Um, and then just squirt the paint right on the paper and, and just start mixing. And a great tool I use for people who don't want to make Brown, uh, start with white and one color or white and two colors or colors next to each other on the rainbow. And, you know, those are just some brief guidelines on how to have a, Oh my gosh. I, 
I feel so inspired and um, I'm going to see if we can actually just get the link to your list segment and then we'll put it in the show notes. We'll figure, we'll retroactively figure that out because it'll be out by the time this airs. So that'll be fun. And my listeners can go um, get your tips. I'm going to be watching that segment for sure. I feel very inspired. I'm like, oh, I could set up like a little thing here in my office. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) absolutely. You know, that's what we're free to do is make these choices to give ourselves these gifts. Yeah. Play and, um, it's such an important piece of it. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. And, oh. and I guess anyone that's interested in, you know, things to come because like I'm in this for the marathon and I am, I just have so many ideas for ways to serve others through my story, through my experience and through my gifts, um, unblocking creativity, you know, teaching people color, just how to engage and play. Um, I am, I'm probably going to switch to my name as my website, but for now it's jessicahughesfineart.com. Amazing. I have a clip called join the party and that's where I sign up for, uh, I even hate like the bland word newsletter, but, um, girl, listen, we want to, yeah, we want to stay in the loop and, um, the, the link to join the party, we're going to put that in the show notes as well. So people can just go straight to the show notes and sign up to, I just can't wait. I'm so excited to just hear more about everything. That's like everything that's just be emerging from you. Yeah. It's, it's so cool. pouring out. It's just pouring out. And that's yeah. what I'm really exciting is that um, I'm doing the thing. Like everyone said, art isn't a career. You can't make money doing that. Like go get a real job. Um, and I basically said, fuck that. I got to take the risk. The tragedy would be me living a life not true to me. And, and I'm yeah. not doing that anymore. So yeah, um, luckily the world has supported it in a way that revenue is coming in and I can start hiring a dream team and you know, start creating some of this content that's going to be really useful for people. Um, So good. Oh my gosh, Jess. um, Thank you so much for being here. It was such an honor to share this space with you. And I, I'm just completely lit up being in your presence. Yay. Yay. That's, that's my goal, you know, (laughs) people up. And, and it's not even me, it's flowing through me. I really feel like I've just cleared out the garbage inside and I'm tapped into this energy and it's not even me. It's just flowing through me. Um, Mm. and, and yeah, that's the best way I can describe it. Like the paintings flow through me, Mm. the story, the writing, all of it. Yes. So beautiful. All right. Thanks, Jess. And bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you got something from this episode, please share it with someone in your life and pop on over to iTunes to give us a five-star review. I'm so committed to more people custom creating their sex, relationships, and lives from desire. And this podcast is a big part of that. 
If you have ideas for the show or want to learn more about working with me as a coach, head on over to my Instagram at Kaylin McDuff or my website, kaylinmcduff.com. See you next time.